Welcome to Get in the Herd, a podcast about addiction and recovery brought to you by the McShin Foundation. If you or a loved one are looking for real discussions about addiction, recovery, stigma, advocacy, and most importantly, hope, then stick around. Thanks for joining us. Now sit back and get ready for another great episode of Get in the Herd. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Get in the Herd After Hours. After Hours. I'm your host, Alex Bond. (laughs) Get in the Herd is a recovery podcast sponsored by the McShin Foundation. I am a person in recovery from substance use disorder, which means that for just over 13 months, I've not found the need to put any mood or mind altering substances in my body. And today, officially... I'm a certified peer recovery specialist. Yeah. What is up, my boy Joe? How are you doing, brother? I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me tonight. Awesome. And I'm very happy to have you on. Um, Jeff Proctor may or may not be joining us. Um, he is having some technical issues as well as car trouble. It's kind of a running theme. Um, every time we try to get Jeff on the show, he has car troubles. There might be uh, a higher power working right there. I don't know what it says, though. Um, Joe, why don't you introduce yourself to everybody, man? Hey, uh, my name is Joe Pelicani. I'm also a person in long-term recovery from substance use disorder, which means I haven't found it necessary to pick up or use or put any substance in my body since March 1st, 2018. So that's almost 32 months next week, if I make it God willing. Ooh, that's awesome, brother. So... um I was wondering, so we, we, I don't know exactly how comfortable you are talking with some of this. So feel free to cut me off. We are like sponsor stepbrothers almost. Yeah. Um, it, it was really cool. So I was at a uh, celebration for Joe. Um, his first sponsor spoke and I had the great fortune of Joe going to bat for me and being like, you should make him your sponsor. And then I remember asking him and he was yeah. like, I'm too busy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I remember, I, you know, we had conversations about this when I used to work there that you were probably never going to sponsor. And that was kind of like, I'm not going to sponsor. I'm going to do this kind of my way. And uh, <laughs> yeah, that's how it worked. You know, so when Brian spoke and he, and he kind of like connected with you, I thought that was great, you know, because I, I love Brian to death. I actually sent him a text tonight. I hope he's watching. Um just because I didn't even think that because it's both of us on tonight, but I, I haven't talked to him as much as I'd like to. And that guy really helped me start my recovery journey. I mean, I got him as a sponsor when I was 17 days clean or sober at that wow. point. We had an AA meeting, so I guess that's sober at that point. Um, I was in a rehab treatment center, whatever we call it, inpatient facility, 3.2, whatever they call it, I think. And um, they took us to this meeting in the park, a really big speaker meeting. And this dude stood up, he raised his hand, he shared something prolific and, and magical. And um, I was with a buddy of mine, like my rehab friend, and I, and I tapped him the shoulder. I was like, hey, man, I'm going to ask that guy to my sponsor. Watch. Like, almost like a dare. Like, watch what I'm going to do. You know what I mean? Check this out. Exactly. <laughs> and I asked him, he's like, yeah, sure. And I was like, fuck, now what do I do? <laughs> um, so I had to start calling him from rehab, like the rehab phone, because I had my phone there. I'd like call him randomly from the, the phone during breaks and stuff. And you know, we met up as soon as I got out and he was my sponsor for 
over a year and a half or so. Um, and we still keep in touch, man. He, he's my dude. I love him to death, man. So I'm really glad you have a sponsor. I'm, I'm kind of impressed that you're working steps because I wasn't sure if that was going to be your path or not. <laughs> you know? So uh, Brian's the jam, man. He's my dude. I, I can't wait to see him again. I'm really sad. I, I missed him speaking at um, your celebration not too long ago. I unfortunately was allowed the opportunity to go to the beach with a bunch of recovery friends because that's what recovery does. Yeah. It gives us opportunities to go do fun stuff and fun places with fun people, you know? So. No, you got to take advantage of that stuff. And, and it, you know, what, what, what Joe here is referring to is we would hang out in his office all the time. So Joe used to work at McShin um, and left on very good terms. So no bad blood or anything like that. Yeah, uh, but I would, I would come into your office all the time and we would, you know, we would talk pop culture. Uh, we would talk recovery. And a lot of the recovery talk was, you got a sponsor yet? And I'd be like, no, I don't think I'm going to get one. And then, um, you know, as Joe explained, um, his sponsor ended up becoming mine. It was kind of like a little a little torch passing, which was wonderful. I've got a fire alarm going off in the background. Can, can anyone hear that? Here, loud and clear. Yeah, so while Alex gets that cut off, man, um, yeah, we would talk in his office. We kept up. He would be doing a crossword puzzle every day. Um, I think sometimes he was there just to hang out and talk music, and sometimes he was there just to miss group. I'm just going to throw it out there, you know? It it's happened so a lot. But it was cool because that's, that to me was that bonding experience. Like, I've taken a lot of friends. Uh, like, me and Alex still hang out um, from that office, you know, from those experiences early on in recovery for myself or others. Um and to me, it's like as long as you're with someone kind of talking about recovery in a serious way, I mean, it's, it's, it's a good thing. You know, you don't have to be in a group or a meeting to necessarily progress in your recovery, you know. And I, I, I miss those times. There's a lot of guys I still hang out with today that started off in that office, you know, on the third floor, just kind of hanging out in the morning, 9, 10 o'clock, just kicking it. Um, and we still see each other. We were just talking a couple of night. I threw my, you know, when you sent a link to this, I was texting to all my friends, like having to get it. As many people as possible, you know, because my ego says I have to have this be the biggest after hours ever, right? And we're that's, putting up good why. numbers, dog. <laughs> oh, good, good. That's all I care about. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but but those sessions, you're totally right. I mean, there's a, there's a completely different vibe between like a meeting where you have thirty to fifty people, and even in your case, who who you really like to go to conventions, hundreds of thousands of people versus something yeah. so intimately one on one like that. It was kind of like yeah. our own little private recovery coaching session but it was also just two humans being human in recovery at the same time which is why i i think it was the foundation of part of my recovery and our um friendship you know what i'm saying i mean yeah. we still see each other um both in the rooms and outside of them whether it's getting food or, or even going to a show or something like that um i was actually kind of wondering if you could explain to people those different fun and recovery things that you like to do because you consistently stay active. You're not exactly the most stagnant person that I've seen who will just go to meetings, go home, post up. Uh, I, like there's, there's a routine, but there's a lot of spontaneity in your life for fun and stuff like that. If you could kind of explain a bit of that, Joe. Yeah. I try and keep it fun, man. Recovery to me. I, I didn't get clean to be miserable. I got clean to have fun. I was miserable, especially the last, few months and years of my active addiction, the way I was using, I was miserable. I wasn't doing anything fun. I was a slave to my dealer. 
and my mm. bankroll. You know, how much money I had and how much I could buy that day was how much wellness I could have. You know, I couldn't even have fun. So being clean now, man, you know, it affords me the opportunity to go out of town, go on trips. I'm constantly going on town, even though it's not far from Richmond, I feel like, you know, the beach or uh, Williamsburg or going to the river, you know, anywhere. And it's funny, even when I'm out of town, I still try and hit meetings and, and get in that recovery community. I love conventions. That's one of my biggest things I I, 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 I hate losing with COVID right now is there's no mm -hmm. convention. Even online to me, I'm glad some places are still doing like that. But I, I love going to conventions. I love because Richmond has got a strong recovery community. So anytime I went to a convention, no matter how far away it was, um, there'd always be tons of Richmonders there. Richmond recovery folks there from New Dominion area and from the Richmond area and people I've met from other areas, you know? So, um, and we just like to have fun, man. We, like recently I've been going to the gym a lot and uh, I go to the same gym that McShin sends people to. And I see a lot of guys in recovery there. That's I saw cool. three or four dudes there tonight. And I just thought, I just swung in real quick and saw, you know, a few guys there working out. And we kind of, we got these great groups now that we talk all day and we keep each other accountable and we're pushing each other in life, man. People are buying houses and buying cars, getting new jobs. And like some of the stuff sounds boring, I bet, but it's like, this is what a, a healthy life's about, man. Like I can save money and think about buying a house in a few years. I can save money and plan on my next vacation next summer, going somewhere cool, you know, like these are the things I get to do. And like, we just like to kick and have fun, man. Like, I'm so sad the movies are closed. That was something that I used to love going oh, to the yeah. movies all the time. And uh, I used to always grab a guy and recover and go. Like, that was, like, one of the things I used to do, man, just scoop someone up and go watch a movie before a meeting or after a meeting. We go out to eat a lot, you know. Um, like, that's, to me, the meeting after the meeting is usually among food. And somehow breaking bread with people just kind of lowers people's, like, um, it just drops them down. It drops down their guard, man. And the, the number one thing I was taught, actually something John used to talk about a lot when I was there, was windshield time. Getting mm -hmm. someone in my car, getting some kind of music on, whether we both like it or not, and just driving. And, like, you just really get to bond with people, you know? So, like, the relations I have, like, I can reach out to guys any time of the day, have jokes, you know, remember good times that we've made, and, and think about the future, you know? So, just... Like life is good now. Life is a lot of fun, man. It's not stagnant. It's not boring. When my schedule gets too strict, when I'm like, okay, meeting this night and then this and then this, like I have to change stuff up to keep myself from getting complacent. Um, I try and go to different meetings. I try and hang out with different groups of friends sometimes, just mix it up, you know? So I just, and just keep it fresh, man, you know, all the time. Growing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, 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 you famously have like what eight home groups or something like that. <laughs> Actually, right now I have none. As sad as that is, but yeah, there what? was a time. I, there was a time when I had a bunch. There was a time when I was going to uh, AA meetings, NA meetings. At the time, it was called Refuge Recovery, and I had home groups at all of those in multiple places. And it, I wasn't working when I first got clean, so I had the luxury of going to three, four, five meetings a day, and I could be of service. At all these meetings and all these places. And I thought that when, when I was looking at these these meetings and these rooms, the people that were involved in the center, just like this whole thing's called, getting the herd, man, the people involved in the service that were opening the meeting, had the keys, getting the coffee set up, weren't up the key tags or the other chip. Those are the ones I want to be friends with. Those ones that had more time than me and had a good quality recovery. Not just the fancy, I got cool sneakers and a hot girlfriend recovery. Like they walked the walk they didn't just talk it they walked it. they lived a good life they weren't the guys that are like talking all pretty in the meeting and then we'll go out and do some dirty shit mm. you know and that's the people I wanted to get with so i was in 
I think that at most one time I had like three AA and two or three NA in a refuge at the same time. And I was made to, it was great. And then eventually I started wearing myself down and talking to my sponsor, talking to my network, like, what can I do? And they're like, you're just, you know, you're, you're overloaded right now. So like, just take a step back and, and reassess. And now I'm at a point where the home group I was in had to move for various reasons. And they're probably going to move further away than I like to have my home group. You know, I like to keep it close to home. You know, I like to be comfortable there. So I'm kind of searching for a new one. I have a couple meetings in mind I want to look at. But again, it's an opportunity to go back and just go check out meetings I haven't been to in a while, get involved with a new group of people and get in the home group and, and get involved and, and get a service position, whatever it may be. I don't care if it's, you know, setting up chairs and picking up cigarette butts or or whatever, you know, the, the, the lowest position as they might seem or the most important one that's holding the key, you know, because to me, every position just gets the meeting going. doesn't really matter. Um, and I'm looking forward to that because that's where I made some really good friends and some great contacts and people I know I can rely on and call. Like that three in the morning, something's wrong. Car broke down. House is on fire. Fire alarm's going off. Whatever, you know? Proctor's car broke down. Alex's house is on fire. I mean, one of those two things. Yeah, got um, it. And, and, and Joe, you brought up something that, that I've been dealing with is, is that burnout. So, you know, the ultimate answer could easily be talk to your sponsor. As they say in meetings is, oh, sounds like something between you and your sponsor. I have been dealing with like some, some, a bit of compassion fatigue, maybe. I don't know what that is, but I've heard what other people have said it is. Um, and, and getting burnt out. So how, how have you been able to stay as consistently busy as you are without getting burnt out? Is it that fun and recovery stuff or what? what's what's the key? Well, you know, when I used to call my first sponsor and I'd say, I have this problem. He'd ask me real simply, have you prayed about it? And I'd be like, oh, I'll call you back. And I'd sit there and say some selfish ass prayer. Cause I was still a newcomer. I still feel like a newcomer, but I'll say some self-assessed prayer, like God, please help. And I'll be, I call him back. Like I, I prayed and he give me some other impactful advice, but you know, I, I try and change things up. I mean, I have certain things I won't miss, you know, like I've always been involved in area services. I got clean. Um, and I, I, it's once a month to me, it's an easy commitment to make. It's one hour, maybe a little more a month. And it, it, to me, it's like, it's, it's the greater good of NA in this area. I've always had a service position, but I've had many home groups. I've changed my home group a few times. That's that's helped, I think, to mix things up because every meeting has a different flavor, a different group of people, a different style, different format. So also during the week, I might go to different meetings, you know, and I have like, I feel like all my friends run in the same circle in some way because that's my brain connecting the dots. But I have like different groups of guys. Some guys like to go to meetings a lot. Some guys like to play sports. Some guys like to go see music. Some guys like to chill and talk. So I have different groups of people. Um, that keeps it interesting. And I've since I've got clean, I've worked in and around recovery. And that makes things interesting because mm-hmm. to be in recovery and to work in recovery, I've had to keep defined roles. But it keeps things interesting because, you know, dealing with people that are fresh into recovery, whether they're going to do a 12-step path or not, is always interesting. Because people that come out, they always have different stories. And people's stories, I've always thought is your most powerful weapon. Your most powerful asset is, and just to sit and say, like, what brought you here? And to really be able to sit and talk to someone and hear these stories and care about it and give a fuck about it. And so when I see them next time or three times later, I can say, man, I remember you talked about this, you know? 
and just bring that up. So like being in recovery and all the people you meet, if you really follow the steps and traditions and, and, and one thing my old home used to do really well was always make sure we meet and greet the newcomer and scoop them up. Like having those fresh people around all the time keeps me busy, keeps me occupied, keeps things interesting. But you know, also is always growth. Like I, I keep talking about it because it's new and fun to me, but about eight, 10 weeks ago, I started going back to the gym, working out, and that's become a new part of our recovery. You know, before it was not. It's and like now, an area where you're a newcomer again, like a newcomer exactly. to the gym. Exactly. So I'm getting back in the gym. I, I feel like some of the guys that have been there helping me out. And I'm also kind of around some guys around me. So like that's a new thing I added on. And it took two and a half years to figure that balance out of how can I manage recovery in my life, in my work. And my girlfriend and like i kind of got those four plates balanced and now we try to spin in this fifth plate a little bit you know can i get to the gym and get a little healthier you know what else can i add like i'm thinking about adding school in the near future how can i manage that you know if my plate gets too full with 27 home groups again i'm about to do something but for now i can spin these four or five plates and keep it going you know mm -hmm. you can keep it fresh still so we were talking about windshield time earlier and um I, I, I don't know if there's a story here or not, but Lisa Madison asked if you remember the Front Royal trip. Of course. Is there a of story course. there? What's going on? Oh, man. So one weekend, I think it was like a long weekend or maybe we went to Front Royal. Um, and I just, you know, like I was always the type of guy when I was working at McShin where like when something's going on, I was like, can I go? And I remember this situation was, they had to tow the trailer up for an event. They were doing an event with RSW, the jail they kind of partnered with up there um, because they've had a lot of successful participants get released from there and come to McShin and just do well. And they wanted to have kind of like a thank you for like some of the staff there and some of the participants that have come through. And they were going to tow this heavy-ass trailer with all these chairs and tables with um, the Tried True Trusty Expedition, which I wasn't sure I was going to make it. The Blue Expedition. Yeah, and... Um, they were going to do it. And I was like, yo, I'm more than happy to go and I'll use my truck. Like luckily when, I, when my grandma passed away, she was like, here, you need a reliable vehicle and I'm helping you pay for this truck. So I have this beautiful truck outside and I, I don't ever tow things with it besides people to meetings. So I was like, let's go. And me, I remember I had Bob in the front seat and a couple people in the back and we drove up to uh, Front Royal. It was, it was great. We had a fun weekend. We stayed in this really cool bed and breakfast. You know, Crick was there all week, and he's kind of like the ambassador of that area. Um, and and it was just a really fun experience to have, again, fun and recovery. Something I wouldn't have done ever when I was using. We went to an apple orchard, right? Because that like one of the participants here, family owned an orchard right around there. So we went to a fucking apple orchard and like just hung out there for half a day. It was great. We were in his bed and breakfast in the mountains. Um, and Lisa was there, and, and uh, Lisa's. Uh, I guess his husband Butch was there. I always forget if they're married or not. And Butch was there, and a lot of people were there that are still around, man. You know, and it was really cool just to go there. They set up a stage at this bed and breakfast, and they and they kind of told a little bit of their stories, and it was just neat because there was correctional officers there, and police officers, and like politicians, and the people that I'm not. That that's not my my shtick. You know what I mean? That's more like a like a John thing, you know, um, or maybe something like Nathan likes to do the politics and whatnot, you know. So. But it was a great experience, man. It's something I would never consider doing, but I was more than happy to spend a weekend, you know, going up there, being of service, um, 
and just being a part of man that was the thing like get involved and have a good story from it you know and it was a great little trip it was a great time and you know those are the type of things that if i were going to call again if my weekend's available to do it i'm like sure let's go i mean just last weekend someone called me and asked me to help him move from a similar area like reston and mcshin stepped up and let me use their trailer to help another addict in recovery do something like this you know and it's like stuff that when i was using i'd be like well, what do i get how much are you going to pay me you know i gotta spend this much time going here for what you know that wasn't even a question it was like oh yeah i'm free this saturday let's do it mm-hmm. you know let's get her done you know so there was lots of great experiences that that mcshin has i can think of a lot of things the funny thing is the picture you used when we came on was recovery fest from last year and i have almost that same picture on my desk at work because that's like one of my favorite pictures that i have from um another great memory there you know so just so many things that i would do that i wouldn't have done when i was using you know so many fun events yeah and 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 that kind of goes into um what else i wanted to talk about is is the uncomfortability piece like it took me so long to actually start saying yes to something or, or to stuff like that um mm-hmm. and now i feel like i say yes to all of it um yeah. how how difficult was it for you um to get out of that comfort zone to say yes to those sort of things i mean did that have you kind of always been that sort of person uh, that's easy to get out of your comfort zone or, or was that just a practice thing or, or was it kind of like a learned trait over time and something just i remember someone told me early in recovery like i can either jump in to the deep end or i can try and put one foot in and and test the waters out and creep in and those that i saw that were clean and, and get living the program like they were just doing it you know they weren't hesitating when people like bob were asked to do something when i was working mission he would do it when people like jesse were said hey we're going to do this full force no problem you know never never back down from getting these things done you know and john's the same way john's like a fearless leader he doesn't he doesn't think about it. like i'll sit there and analyze the fucking of a situation oh yeah paralyze myself with different scenarios usually bad ones and that's like an addict trait that i have on my defects is to sit there and overanalyze every situation to the negatives now i'm just looking around saying well and it's not the whole if my friends are jumping off a bridge i would too it's like if my friends are all going to recovery fest it's probably a good idea if people like if people have been doing it for 10 years then i should probably go because it's sustained recovery there's good fellowship there the food's delicious like go have some fun you know, mm-hmm. or sit on the couch and watch another Netflix show you don't need to watch. You know, and that's that's the thing. Like recently, TV has been down, which is fine. You know, sports have been down, which is a big change. Like when I used to use Sunday was a noon to midnight football mania. Yeah. You know, at the bar half the day and then in the house, the rest of it, all kinds of nasty things. And now it's just like I have better things to do with my time. You know? Yeah, I feel like... Feel like my 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 days aren't preoccupied with one entire focus uh, mm-hmm. like that. But I have to always remember the uh, the self care. I got like I heard you talk about it uh, recently. Like you mentioned, like staring at the wall for two hours a day, or, or getting to play video games like that. That's also a big thing that kind of wraps into like keeping my sanity, compassion fatigue, keeping things fresh. Because I'm still trying things I wouldn't have necessarily done, but with me. You know, or just with one other person that can, so I'm naturally an introvert. So I need that time alone or with few people to recharge. I can't recharge in a crowd. So I have to have that me time to do whatever. Sometimes it's read or just sleep or, you know, like the, the, 
The fact that after two and a half years, I can finally sleep through a whole night and not have using nightmares is a freaking miracle, you know, but it took a long time to do that. And it takes practice. It took learning to turn my TV off and my, put my phone down before I go to bed and call my brain and, and not watch like a horror flick till 1 a.m. and then be stressed about getting to work the next day on time and plan with my phone till 2 a.m. and then expect to get a good night's sleep after drinking 17 monsters that day. Like it's not going to work. You know, but I didn't figure that out. I don't care how many times people told me it's not going to work. I had to learn that stuff. So, I mean, self-care is so important. And, uh, and everything we're talking about, man, to keep yourself like that compassion fatigue is real. Like I felt it when I worked there. It got it got tough. I was working long hours by my own will. I would get there eight and stay till 7 p.m. You know, like every day I just and I'd go to a meeting and then it just start over. And, and it really uh, wore me down. My family and my close friends. Like your stress level is different now because I have a, a much tighter nine to five and it gives me much more free time to do what I need to do with my meetings, my recovery, my friends, all that stuff, you know, but the self-care is definitely built in, man. And sometimes um, it can be stupid shit. Meditation still big for me. You know, me and my girlfriend will go get our nails done like every month. Like, I love that shit. I don't care what name says, you know, I want to get a massage done soon. Like stuff like that, like stuff that's just selfish for me to help me recharge my batteries and keep my recovery strong. Because without that, I'm going to lose everything. I'm going to lose the truck, the apartment, the job, the serenity, the ability to sleep at night, all that shit. You know what I mean? Because then I start playing the pity party where it's like, but what about me? So my self-care, like I need to do something for me and that's going to end up like putting me out. You know what I'm saying? Like if I start playing the pity party for too long, um, which will happen if I don't do that self-care. Uh, I wanted to ask, so so you mentioned your girlfriend. Um, what, we talk in recovery often about like the codependency trap and what that oh, looks yeah. like. So, oh, so I, I was kind of wondering exactly, um, you know, what that looks like, how, how that is preventable. I mean, I don't think some people are more codependent than other people. I think that some people train themselves to be. It, it, it's like a learned trait. It's not something where people wake up and they just are. I think it's something that is not only um, encompassing of both parties, but is something that's preventable. And I know that you you have a very healthy relationship and, and was kind of wondering if, if um, how to avoid codependency in general. Well, there is a, a whole other program called uh, CA that can help. Um, I have the book very <laughs> close by, actually. Look I at that. We, I think we started reading it and got terrified to stop. Um, because <laughs> it was so, it was, it, it, you know, a lot of things you can read into and be like, wow, it really feels like it's true, you know. But um, I think codependency is learned. I, I think from an early age, you know, I was raised by my mother and my grandmother and a really tight family. And, like, they would take care of a lot of things for me, you know, food, laundry. And, and eventually I got old enough where I left the house at 18 and, and I kind of stumbled along through college and I've always had my own place. And, but still, like, they're always there to help pick up pieces if need be. And I don't know if that was something I had to break free from. So now I feel like I'm finally self-supporting and I take care of myself. But am I codependent with my girlfriend or with my sponsor or with my friends? It's a it's a tough sword. It's a it's a tough thing to think about, man. It's a it's a double edged sword in my opinion because I think I need to be vulnerable and connect with these people. You know, everyone says relationship, and they all automatically assume sexual relationship with a girlfriend or boyfriend, or whatever. 
But I think our, but we have a relationship. Yeah. 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 Relationship with you, relationship with my sponsor, relationship with my mother, you know, and all these relations can be codependent in a very negative way. So I look at it like this, like if I can, I stand on my own two feet, is my life independent and happy by itself without anyone having to be involved? Does every decision that I make have to have someone else's approval or at least sign off? You know, that to me is the codependency core, you know, like, so if I can make my decision and say, I'm going to go to this meeting because I want to go tonight and not say, I'm going to go to this meeting because that's where the cool kids are or that's where the people want to hang out with are like that can be some codependency right there. You know, like I'm going to do what I want to do. That's good for me, but still keep a healthy lifestyle. You know, like I don't go to the gym because I'm going to see the people I see there. I go because I want to go for me. I want to be healthy for me. And that. And that little statement right there reminds me of what I was told from day one about just recovery in general. It's like, I have to do it for me. I can't do it for my girlfriend, my wife, my kids, my mom. It has to be for me. You know, so like from day one, I was taught to kind of break some of the chains of codependency. I think it's natural in our world. We're so connected all the time to people. Um, and we get very comfortable in certain places and even with certain things, you know, like, I think you can easily get codependent on many things very easily, whether it be your job, your vehicle, your your house, all that stuff. But as long as you can say, okay, if I need to move on, I can. Mm-hmm. If I have to switch jobs, it's okay. If I have to get another car, you know, if me and the girlfriend break up, I'm not going to commit suicide. Like, I think well, I'm one angry. of my one of my housemates was was explaining today. He came home and uh, he handed us his phone, and it was like literally bent like this. And he was like, I ran over my phone with a 44,000 pound machine. And it made me realize how much technology just like runs our lives. And, and I, I think that's a, a, a very toxic codependent relationship is, is our relationship with technology and, mm-hmm. and the obsession with social media, which then turns into um, very problematic confidence issues and self-worth issues, which is awful Absolutely. for for, for someone in early recovery as well. Um, but in the opposite end, technology can be very helpful. So one of the things that I, I noticed you do almost more than uh, anyone else that I personally know is when you were working at McShim, you had an office on the third floor, kind of isolated from places. So you would listen to music often, which yeah. I know is, is a positive thing. I'm not going to gr- go down that road too much, but when the coronavirus started hitting, you would listen to meetings all the time. And I was kind of wondering what other sort of um, resourcefulness you've been able to use here in the last, like, I guess it's been eight months in this in this pandemic. Yeah, it's, it's been some time, man. Um, but just to touch real quick on the on the, the codependency with technology and the phone. Please, man. yeah. One thing I do whenever I can, any vacation I go on, any retreat, I put my phone away. Like when I went to the beach, like my work phone and my and my regular phone are off, not on silent, not tucked away to check every 10 minutes, like off. So when I go to the beach, I'm not worried about getting wet or sandy. I'm not worried about it. And that was something I had to teach myself, like really big time teach myself, you know, not being on my phone with Facebook and trying to find the right song on whatever music app you have, just turn the radio on, you know, like enjoy life, stay in the moment, you know? So that's something like it's taking me some time to learn, but I, I still feel like I can do that. I'm a big my phone's on silence usually. Like right now, they're both on silent, tucked away. So if there's someone ringing me or calling me, I'm in the moment, right? I'm focused on this, you know? And I, and I, and I feel like I was taught that 
from working at McShane and working where I work now because when I was with someone, if they were looking at their phone instead of talking to me, I felt less important. Oh, the respect yeah. issue. Absolutely. So when I would go on vacation, the people I'm with, I want them to know, like, I'm here. We're together. We're having fun right now. This is our adventure. And um, put the phone away, man. Turn it off. When I go to meetings, I'm pretty strict about keeping my phone off. Sometimes it'll pop my head. I'm not perfect. But, you know, I, I just, it's one of those things that, like, it's a pet peeve of mine because it's a distraction to me, too. You know? I had someone sharing in our 10 step that, that there was a meeting where people were sharing memes across uh, while someone was sharing. And it was like, are you kidding me? That's just a whole another level of disrespect. It's one thing to kind of just like, I don't know. I, I don't like the sitting on the phone and looking at that during the entire meeting. But once you start passing it back and forth, that's just, I don't, I don't yeah, know. I Maybe I'm going over the top. Yeah, but moving on to more positive things. So, so Please. you know, um, Zoom is not a new thing for meetings. There has been an app called In the Rooms Out for 10 plus years that's had meetings on it forever. Zoom is just another frontier of a way to connect to people. Um, I got on Zoom early on and I was going to NA meetings, AA meetings, even um, all recovery meetings, anything I'd find just to see what was out there. And I thought it was really cool because I could go to meetings all around the world and I was hearing different accents. I was hearing the Serenity Pair, different languages. And I was cool. hearing the same problem. I was hearing that the COVID is affecting Many countries way worse than ours. People that were locked up in their apartments or houses for months. Like literally, that couldn't leave. Not just this stay-at-home order that you can drive around if you need to for anything like we have here. You know, masks kind of when you want to enforce it. Like really, like like people are getting their doors locked down by the police and stuff in different countries. You know, mm -hmm. so their, their stay-at-home order is a little different than ours. And to hear that problem, but also hear the similar problem of addiction everywhere. From an Irish accent from a Spanish accent, it didn't matter. Hearing like a UK guy talk about addiction, like I understand it. Like spending his whole paycheck before he even hit his bank account on the drugs that he used yesterday. You know, like I was Whoa. hearing that kind of stuff. So yeah. um, I was bouncing on quite a bit at first and I, would, and I would start to compile these humongous lists because again, I gotta know everything. These huge, huge lists I was finding online of like every online meeting out there and there's tons of them. But eventually I kind of fell into um, a couple 24 seven meetings. There's a few meetings. There's one meeting I go to often that started when COVID hit back in March and hasn't ended since. That is wild. It's 24 seven. It's international, but it's in English and every hour they reset and they change the format up. You just open discussion and there's usually a hundred, 200 people in there and you click a button to share and eventually you share. But like the server structure is amazing. People from all around the globe jumping in, leading the meeting. The coolest thing was every hour the serenity prayer was said in a different language. I just thought it was so neat, you know? And that's when I fall back on a lot because I can log at any time. Whether it be two in the morning, I can't sleep, or like right after this is over, I don't care what my schedule is like. There was absolutely zero excuse to miss a meeting. And the message was good, you know? Um, then some local meetings started popping up on Zoom. I actually was a, a little bit a part of the home group that started in Richmond initially for um for an online meeting any links that was kind of cool and then a bunch of other meetings started opening online so there's lots of online meetings but i'm also big on speaker tapes you know um, yeah like i love listening to speaker tapes usually if i have a, a newcomer in the car for a long trip we're listening to speaker tape because it's about an hour long and i just think it's a great way to catch a message without getting distracted with a bunch of noise you know what i mean especially if they don't want to talk at first or they're shy Long trips, usually anywhere, even if my girlfriend and I go somewhere, we listen to speaker tape on the way there. Um, so speaker tapes are huge to me. There's tons and tons out there. They're on podcasts. You can search, just Google NA speaker and a topic. 
if you talk to some people that have some time, they're going to say, listen to this guy or listen to that guy. You know what I mean? So there's tons of that out there too, you know? And, um, you know, the technology piece, like I've gotten more comfortable with this kind of format. So like I used to just call people or text people. Now I'll pick the phone up more often and more often than not, I'll zoom people or I'll FaceTime or I'll use the messenger version of video chat and have three or four guys in the same line. So like this technology um, change with COVID has got me more comfortable with seeing myself. Like I remember at first when I got clean, I wouldn't even put a mirror in my bedroom. Wow. Like I, there was a mirror in the dresser and I covered it with a towel because I was so disgusted with myself. I just was like, man, that guy's a jerk. Like wow. I can't believe what you did to yourself, you know? And, uh, but now after some time, I've gotten more comfortable seeing myself, hearing myself, listening to myself, which I often do. Um, so, you know, and then like these things that popped up, like this after hours, this is something I, I log on to every now and then just listen up. Um, I like to see my friends on there and I like to hear their message. I love seeing that you've taken this a long way. I know Nathan does the ones of the day sometimes mm -hmm. and it keeps me in touch with some of the new people here. So like when I go to a meeting at Hatcher and I see a participant that I may not have met before, but I may have seen him online. I'm more willing to go say, Hey, what's up? I saw you do such and such. I like the message. Um, how brave, like whatever, you know what I mean? But it's going to break the ice. So like these, the, this technology thing has really helped a lot, man. But yeah, speaker, speaker tapes are huge to me. I, it's like to me one of the biggest, most underutilized piece that I don't hear people talk about. You know, there's so many resources out there. I mean, there's so many methods because they've been recording speaker tapes since convention started probably 30 years ago. And they're pretty much free access. If you just look, you can find tons of them, man. So like, um, they really help. There's some things I've heard in those that like have impacted our recovery so much, you know, just by, just by hitting play and sitting still for an hour, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like it's something that really cool where you could look back and say, Oh, this was happening in the world. And it's not exactly like it, it kind of is, but isn't frozen in time. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's still utilizable still to this, this <laughs> day. Um, see kind of how stuff was dated, how, how, the similarities and the differences between something say like in the 1980s or 1990s versus something that's utilizable now. And, yeah. and the cool thing with this technology is I, I can imagine, um, you know, hypothetically it's alleviated some of the anxieties and panic that, um, this pandemic has brought along, but how have you been dealing it? Has it tested your personal recovery, um, more less, um, just kind of wondering how you've been dealing with it uh personally and internally because i personally know people with you know dozens of years in recovery and this has been like the closest that they've been um to having a recurrence of use or have had a recurrence of use so um it, it's definitely been a tricky scenario especially with um overdose spikes at, at, at the highest they've been uh, ever um yeah. so i was kind of wondering about you personally well, I'm so grateful at some point in my recovery, I'm not sure when I lost the obsession to think about drugs, you know, like I'll have fleeting glimpses every now and then. And of course I have to listen at work to people talk about that are still in active use or still trying to gain traction. So, but it's not like it used to be, man. I remember when I first got clean the first, I don't know, hundred days, I just wanted to get high every day. You know, mm -hmm. I just wanted to go back and use, I wanted to figure out a way, like I went to treatment originally on a tolerance reduction plan. I wasn't trying to get clean. I just wanted to come out and use less than I was when I got there. You know, and I was like, I can make it then. If I just cut my use in half, I'm good. 
Um, and that's not how it worked out. But it, it, it may sound cocky or arrogant, but the, the COVID hasn't like stressed me out. And it may be just because I'm that serene or that calm. Um, I feel like I do protect myself. I've worked from home quite a bit. My job allows me to do virtual visits. I have my own apartment. I live with myself. So, you know, I can get my groceries delivered and food delivered. And, and when I go out, I wear a mask, you know, but um, something that kind of ties back into the last topic we're, we're hitting on is like, what, what can you do virtually for your recovery? I mean, I, I kind of had to teach myself and to, to meditate with, YouTube videos and with refuge recovery tutorials and stuff. And I still go back to that, you know, it's like I can pull those up anytime I'm really stressed out and meditate and calm down. I also found it very important to stay away from the news. I don't like the news. I never did. So why should I start watching it now? The two things I hate to see the most is pretty much politics and world crisis. And I know that's probably like really small of me to focus on just my world and like Henrico, Richmond. But when I start watching COVID, 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 and, and political bullshit all day, it just starts to stress me out. So why am I going to put myself in that situation? I know my sensitivities. I know my triggers or hot spots, whatever people want to call them. So I stay away from them. But it's taken, it's a learning curve. I didn't know that when I first got here. So I stay away from those pieces. I try and stay safe. I try and stay healthy. You know, I take my vitamins and, and I check my temperature daily and, you know, I wear a mask. So like that, that's me keeping it safe. But um, I try and avoid high risk situations. If I'm in, a, even if I'm in a meeting and I feel uncomfortable because there's too many people that are not wearing masks, or if I feel like someone's hacking up along, I may get up and leave. I might not because I feel like I'm a semi purist and, and you're supposed to be there early and stay late. But you know, if I feel at risk, I'm going to leave. And that could be in the grocery store, that could be at work, that could be anywhere. You know, so just my definition of staying safe is, is just like my definition of recovery. It's mine. You know, and it may not be everyone else's. Some people may feel what I'm doing is reckless and I may feel that someone else is, is reckless, but I'm doing the best I know how the best I can. And, um, if I do feel stressed out, I have this network. I have people like you, I can call my sponsor. Mm-hmm. I have so many guys in my network. And, and again, my girlfriend and I have talked every day since we both got uh, clean and I can call her anytime. <laughs> and it's good to have an A one, you know, since day one that I can reach out to any time of day and just vent. You know, and then I have my mother, too, who's also been on my side from the very beginning. Um, she's the one that that helped drag my sick butt out of my house to the hospital to start this journey. She's the one that drove me from the hospital to the treatment center. And she was there on the day I got out. You know, so she's been around forever. Obviously, she's my mom. And we've always been really close. So, like, I know I can call her whenever things are getting crazy. And she can call me down, too. So, like, I have a lot of really great support people. Uh, that are key in my life, but I'm always looking for new members. I'm always growing, you know, and like this group of guys I've been hanging out with recently, like we're really starting to get a little deep with each other and be there for each other. So now I feel a lot more comfortable um, to call them. And and with some of that came me being able to get vulnerable, mm-hmm. you know, like I need to get vulnerable with these guys to get there. So like my stress from COVID hasn't been too, too severe. I was kind of lucky that I got laid off. I think it was like March 20 something. And I had a three week gap. And that was like the height of the scare. And I remember I had a three-week gap. I did nothing but chill, sleep, and watch TV. And then after that three-week gap, we had a better handle on it. And I started a new job. And the office was empty. And, and, it, was, and it was just like I've had a very easy 
and I'm worried about saying this, but I'm worried like God's going to come back and punish me or something like that. But I've had a kind of easy stroll right now, and I haven't had a lot of lot of scary moments in my personal life. We'll call it less challenging instead of easy. Yeah. <laughs> less challenging than I've seen a lot of people go through some trials and tribulations. People have gotten sick. Um, people have had close friends die. Like people are relapsing. I mean, it's terrible what's going on out there. And I and I hear these things and I feel them. But I, I guess I'm just really lucky. I don't like to use the word lucky anymore. I think I'm just blessed that I'm being watched over. You know, I was given a second chance to do something better with my life. You know, be of service, be be an instrument of my higher power and to help other people, help myself, help my family, uh, try and help the newcomer or the addict who's still suffering. Like that's kind of what keeps me working. I'm doing what I'm doing at work, man. Like I, I truly feel my purpose now. Used to be, used to be, I was all about just making money, right? I wanted the Lamborghini and the and the five million dollar house and the beach and 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 the, the supermodel girlfriend like and all that stuff. And now that's like less important to me. Like I just want to be serene, you know, happy at times and not be panicked and not be stressed and live below my means. And like if I have a house that can fit my family, good. If we have enough food in the, in the kitchen, great. You know, if I have a job that can do that, awesome. You know, like it's not today about having being the CEO of some crazy company and making billions of dollars just to say you have it. Like that to me is less important than it was just three years ago. That's all I would think about three years ago was being that type of person, you know? I'm glad you brought up the house thing because that's a, um, my, my grandfather that passed away, one of his age old, um, Irish toasts was, um, here's to having a house too small to fit all your loved ones in. And right. I thought that was always so beautiful. Um, and and I guess to kind of maybe um, wrap it up a little bit, what, one of my last things I wanted to talk about was accountability uh, in combination with communication. So what I heard you say was, um, you know, someone can pick up the phone and you can either listen to them vent or vice versa. I have a hard problem with that um, at the end of the day. a lot of, A lot of times I feel like, I just get vented to, or, um, you know, I'm a problem solver by nature. So when you come up to me and you want to vent, I think of it as where's the problem? How do I solve it? And I know that's probably more of a me issue than it is anything else. Um, so I, I kind of wanted to ask how, how you might deal with it. Is it selfish of me to want to solve your problem and then move on to the next thing? And, yeah. uh, and I, maybe I should just listen and, and, and let people vent to me, or should I be selfish in my recovery and not lose my sanity over people venting about something that may not affect me in any sort of way? So accountability is really important um, because I often hear that, oh, do you hear that this person relapsed or this person overdid, overdosed, and it's like hindsight's always twenty twenty. Oh, well, he stopped going to meetings and he stopped calling his people and you know, he started, you know, it's like, of, no shit. You can, you, you can play that. Yeah. It's like playing the tape I, backwards. I, I tell any of my friends at any time, if I start having one single behavior change that looks negative, please smack me in the side of the head. Please tell me, Joe, you're fucking slipping. Okay. Mm -hmm. You haven't gone to a meeting. You don't have a home group right now. Right. Like that's a big scare for me. Yeah. That's like the scariest thing <laughs> happened in a long time. You know, I don't have a service position. Christ, what's going to happen? So, um, I try to keep myself accountable. I put myself out there. Now, as far as what you just asked, I had a crazy example of that happening yesterday. A, a, a friend hit me up and like, hey, I have this problem. And my brain wants to say, oh, I can fix that. I can literally fix that problem and do this. 
But I just said, okay, well then what? And kind of just let it, let him let him flush it out. And um, he called me, and I saw him today. He gave me the biggest fucking hug. Someone's giving me a long time just because I listened, and I didn't try and fix it. I think I gave like one small suggestion of maybe what I would do, and it was kind of like just just have the conversation, just communicate, right? Just mm-hmm. talk. And um, it felt good to not try and fix it because I've been told by many people throughout my life, it's not my job to fix your problem. Like a lot of times when I'm asking for help, I've already worked out my head. I just need to put it into the air, you know? A second piece of that though, too, is like when I have a problem, big or small, and I feel like most of my problems these days are what I call Cadillac problems or, or luxury problems, right? You know, like first like, world, first world problems. Yeah. And I'll call someone and say, oh, my God, the sneakers I wanted to buy are out of stock in my size. Right. And that's my biggest problem. Someone's like, oh, well, my grandma's in the hospital. With COVID. So, first of all, I feel like a shithead because my problem doesn't mean anything. And second of all, God put me on a path to call somebody to complain and their problem so much more worse and they needed a bet. So by calling people, usually I solve my own problem because I realize it's really not that big a deal. Or I hear what I need to hear, and usually I get to help someone else in the process. So if I was going to give a suggestion to you, Alex, it would be Please. when you need to vent, call someone. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be a sponsor. Probably should be. Could be. And, you know, I know it's probably tough because in the house, you're near the house manager, house leader. Sorry, house leader. You know, it's going to lead people and lead by example. But I am often, often helped by those with less time than me. You know, I don't think time always matters because quality recovery is differs from person to person you know i could go to 10 meetings and you can go to one but if you fucking listen the whole time and i don't your quality is better you know what i mean so a lot of times i can hear something that someone else says that may have an experience that can help me just by talking about it you know and it's not necessarily me advice giving or suggestions but just kind of hearing like well hey i had something like that happen to me and this is what i did mm. and it kind of gets me on track and it makes me feel better you know so i I talked to I talked to the same probably three or four people often about my large Cadillac problems, my first world issues that I have on a regular basis. But um, I'm getting better about digging deeper and actually talking about real problems. You know, stuff like the stuff that keeps me awake at night, the stuff that's in my heart that bothers me. You know, that kind of stuff. So but it's taking time, man. A lot of stuff is a process. I hear guys that have a lot more clean time than me, and when I be a lot more, I mean, 10, 20, 30 years, stuff like that. That I'm still a baby. You know, I'm, I'm two and a half years old. Like, I'm still getting my feet underneath me. And I hear guys that have five, that midterm time, that five years, at seven years time, but like, wait till you get to five years and see what your, see what your perspective is like. Yeah, we're, we're still newcomers in, 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 in like John's eyes. He's like, I, I think yeah. honesty yourself said like, oh, he stopped calling me a newcomer once I got my sixth year or something like that. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know when it stopped, but to me, I'm still a newcomer. And I tell most newcomers the same thing I tell myself, enjoy it. Hopefully you only have to do it once. Yeah. Enjoy it. You know, hopefully you don't have to go back and have to get another white key tag and start over day one. But if you do, you don't lose the knowledge. So maintain the experience, maintain the knowledge and keep moving forward, you know, and hopefully I can look back, you know, cause I feel like I got to the recovery party late. I didn't start recovery till 36, never went to a meeting, didn't know what NA was except like in a movie. So I don't want to leave. You know, this is a much better life than I had mm-hmm. much, much better. You know, I agree. So, and I, I'm I'm totally with you. I I, I think that um, there is a large range of knowledge. Just because someone has one day clean and someone has fifty, doesn't mean that one knows more than the other person. 
but the person with 50 years clean might know how to stay clean through lived in experience of being clean. That's not to say one is smarter than the other. I, I, I learn people from, from life advice from people with less clean time than me all the time, uh, yeah. honestly, um, because they have experience. You never know what their life brought them here doing or how they got here, you know? So, yeah. And, and so you were also, um, this is your first time in recovery and you're, and you're still clean. Um, that, this is the definite last thing I want to talk about that, that, that fear of relapse is a huge motivating factor for me yet also like an anxious one. Cause I always think like in the very, very small part in the back of my head, it's like, I, I still have one, one relapse I could get in me, but in my heart of hearts and the 99% front part of my brain is like, so overwhelmingly competitive that I'm like, I want to be that person that doesn't have to put that first, like, I don't even want to read the chapter relapse and recovery because I don't want the relapse. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's kind of a competitive nature for me. Is is that the same for you or kind of what's your thought process there? Absolutely. And first of all, the chapter is called recovery and relapse. You need to have some recovery before you relapse, you know? So, um, it's not relapse and recovery. It's um, actually, he said, um, often actually, mistaken, often mistaken called that. So, you know, the fear you of can relapse, tell I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a, 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 you know, book quote or anything like I that. Got, yeah. That's about the only quote I have. I'm like that and one other. So, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm afraid I'm always had that healthy fear. I call it a healthy fear of relapse and I call it a healthy fear. So it makes me feel better. It is a fear. I don't ever want to relapse. I don't think I have one more left to me. I think working in the field I work, both at McShin and where I'm at now, I get to review drug tests all the time, and I see these nasty synthetic drugs that I don't know if were there when I was there, but they're killing people. I see overdose rates spiking. I see people dying all the time. I see people in meetings crying because their buddy was here a few hours ago, and it sucks. Like I would like to live my life, whether it be another day or another 50 years, clean, and go how I go. You know, I don't want to upset my friends, my family. Really, I don't let myself down, you know? Like, um, I don't have to ever use again if I don't want to. And that's what the program's taught me. That's what NA's taught me. That's the recovery. NA has taught me that, you know? And it's really a personal decision to stay clean, I feel like. But it, it comes with a lot of different pieces. A lot of things like the higher power, the support network, going to meetings, sponsorship, service, getting literature. Those are like the pieces that really keep me clean. And I know if I have a bad day. I can pick any of those pieces up, any of those tools up and start to use them right away. You know what I mean? So um, I have that healthy fear. I don't want to ever happen. I think if I were to go out again, I will try and go out like I used to go and I'll kill myself and I don't want to die. You know, plus my mom told me if I relapse, she's writing me out the family. So that's always a motivator too. Oh, there we go. <laughs> healthy accountability right there. Yeah. Yeah, so um, I don't want to lose what I have, man. I've I, I built too much up in the couple of years. It's not just the material stuff; it's the spiritual stuff. It's it's the way I feel. It's the like the wake up in the morning and actually be happy to go to work and to come home and after work and to be happy to go to a meeting and be excited to see my friends. And when the phone rings, not thinking, "Oh, what do they want?" Mm. Like like, "Oh, this person wants to talk to me." Like, awesome. Or like when I answer when I call the phone. I'm not thinking what I can do to manipulate this person. Like just my, my whole perspective has changed on things. So um, it's just a lot. It's, it's, it's such a paradigm shift that it used to be a couple of years ago. And I just can't, I'm just really 
curious and excited to see where this goes in years to come. Like I always thought it was funny when I first got clean, like this guy's a few more months than me and this guy's a few little months than me. Like it doesn't matter because in 10 years, we're all going to have about 10 years clean. And like the crew I have now, I see crews that did that. Like I see a group of guys that's 10 years clean. I see a group of guys that's 15 or 20 years clean. And like, that's what I want to have. That's my goal. And so if I can be a part of that by helping someone else stay clean or by someone helping me, me be clean, that to me is like a mission for me and my crew, hopefully. I don't know about them, but for me, I want us to all be clean in 10 years together and having the 10-year the, the after hours getting the herd podcast tour. You know what I mean? Like from our house that we can't all fit into because we're too serene. You know what I mean? That'd be so funny because we could have after hours at like 7 p.m. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right? After Blue Play Specials, you know? Jerry Asher time. <laughs> Joe, any other final thoughts, brother? This has been an absolute blast. I feel like we're just kicking it right now. I know, man. I'm really happy I got to be on the show. Um, I can't wait to come back, man. I, I like to watch it and keep doing what you're doing, bud. I love you, man. I love you too, brother. It's a, It's been a pleasure having you on. Jeff, we'll get you on next time, brother. Uh, this is like our Lindsey Buckingham from from the What's Up With That skit from SNL. <laughs> yeah, we'll get through you next time. Joe, seriously, um, you're, you're a brother to me, man. I love you, dog. Todd, uh, you're a hell of a producer. Um, this has been Get In The Herd. Peace out. Liller. I am the CEO of the McShen Foundation and a woman in long-term recovery since May 27, 2007. I have not used drugs or alcohol. Woo -woo. Thank you so, so much to the Richmond Times Dispatch and all of our voters for Get In The Herd podcast. Those podcasts are amazing. Not only has it helped thousands upon thousands of people in their recovery, as well as family members, but it has helped me in my personal recovery. I get to listen to them now in my car through Spotify and iHeartRadio. And it's just really, really important for us to be innovative in the addiction field and the recovery community. So when COVID hit, we had to be innovative. You know, we really had to think of like, what can we do to reach people that cannot go to 12-step meetings? smart recovery, faith-based, whatever, um, that we're shutting down constantly. So we were innovative here at McShin. Let's start podcast. So with Todd, John, Alex, um, and some other staff, you know, we all just kind of jumped in who can do what. And um, with Todd's lead and John's lead, the podcasts have been amazing and we're still doing them today. So I want to thank you for all of your votes and all of your energy and all of your support of our mission of healing families and saving lives. Thanks.